Father God, we're grateful for the opportunity to be able to stand on that solid rock, the solid rock of Jesus Christ. As everything else in this world is just temporary, we know that He is eternal. May we today take that song and apply it to our lives to the point where we stand faultless before Your throne as we stand on His righteousness. We pray in Your name. Amen. You can be seated as you're seated. I'm going to send our kids over to the back door over there. You see Mr. Lay, Miss Courtney. They're waiting for you guys over there. As they head out, I want to let you know that today we have come to the end. We've come to the end of our living the good life, which means next week you don't get to live the good life, right? Now, I'm going to invite you to go to the last six verses of the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. And as you are flipping there, I want to let you know that we are going to be talking about a passage that many of you have probably heard before. So I pray that it's something fresh. I pray that it's something new that you hear. So many of you have probably heard it. If you grew up in church, you maybe even sang a song about it, about how the rains came down and the floods came up and you had hand motions and everything for this song. So I hope that you do see something new this week. You know, as I was reading through this passage this week and really trying to just pray, God, give me something fresh for this, something that, that maybe is new, I began to think about a conversation I had a couple of weeks ago with a friend of mine that lives in Phoenix. I was out there last week, or a couple weeks ago, and uh, we got to sit and talk. We actually ran out to In-N-Out Burger. and got to have some In-N-Out Burger, not to rub that in or anything like that, but he ate some In-N-Out Burger, went back to his house. We were just kind of sitting and talking about catching up about life, all the things that are going on. And one of the things he was telling me about is this house he got into that we're sitting in Tatton in. He'd only been there for a couple of years, but in the couple of years that they've lived there, the actual value of his house has more than doubled because on the north, far north side of Phoenix, there's a huge semiconductor plant that's being built, a, a Taiwanese semiconductor plant that's going in out there. And it's, it's just gigantic, massive, huge things. Actually, the largest cranes in the world right now are the ones putting it all together. That's how big this thing is. And because of it, his house value has gone up. And as we were talking, uh, his house is smaller than mine. It's on a smaller lot than mine, about the same age. And um, it's, it's on the far north side of Phoenix. As a matter of fact, when I grew up, that's where we used to ride dirt bikes at, uh, where his house is now. And he told me what the latest estimate, or uh, really the, the Zestimate from Zillow, is on his house. And it was double mine. And I was like, wait, wait a second. Your house is smaller, smaller lot. How is that possible? And if you're in real estate or have ever done anything with real estate, there's three answers to that question. And it is location, location, location. Being in North Phoenix versus being in the Rio Rancho area obviously creates something different. And as I was thinking about that, I began to realize that that is true in real estate, but what we will be talking about today is also true in our life. Where we build our lives Location, 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 it matters. It matters for each and every one of us. The location of our house that we are building matters. Last week, we started the end of the Sermon on the Mount. We started the end of the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus calling us to respond. He said, you have a choice. 
You have a choice. The choice is yours. And last week, he talked about two gates. Two gates that lead to two roads. They have two different crowds on them. And those two different crowds are heading in two different directions. And those two different directions are heading to two different destinations. You have a choice between one or the other. Last week, that's what we looked at. We said, which path are you on? Which path will you choose? The broad and easy path that has the big crowd that leads to destruction or the difficult, narrow path with a lesser crowd that leads to life? Which path will you choose? Which guide will you listen to? Will you listen to the truth or will you listen to people who claim to have the truth but really are watering it down or twisting it away to manipulate it? Are you aware of those things? Because he said, be aware of who and what is leading you and the fruit that they are producing. This week, the question goes this way. Where are you going to build your life? How will you live? A life in and on that solid rock that we just sang about? Or not? That's the two choices you have. What will your life look like? What should it look like? Should your life be changed? Should it be being changed right now as we continue to live it out? And should that change in our lives help us to go change the world? In our passage today, Jesus gives us again two options. Two options. Two foundations. Two locations. So today he says, which foundation are you going to choose? Which foundation are you going to build your life upon? See, Jesus says your life is like a house. And you choose to build your house on one of two foundations either a solid rock or one of sand and just like every other choice in our life our choices have consequences i had to tell this to my kids all the time your choices have consequences generally a good choice has a good consequence a bad choice has a bad consequence and in that we see this choice is no different this choice is no different between two foundations. We have to know this. One of them works. The other one does not. One of them is solid and dependable. The other is shaky and unreliable. Which one will you choose? Because that shaky, unreliable one, Jesus tells us, will eventually lead to a great, complete collapse. And like last week I said, to not choose is to choose. We have one that we're on by default. And these choices determine a lot. Last week's choices. The path. The path that we choose. The path that we choose determines whether or not you find the way. The guide that we choose determines whether or not you find the truth. And today, the foundation you choose determines whether or not you find the life. The way, the truth, the life. Heard that before? John 14, 6. So what I want to do is I want to ask this. What kind of foundation will you choose? I want to backtrack just a little bit and go back into last week with one of the verses we looked at that we didn't talk much, much about. But if you would do me a favor, I told you to start in verse 24, but jump back to verse 21 for me in Matthew chapter 7. It says these words. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. We have two different people here. We have the ones who say and the ones who do. Now, we didn't spend a lot of time on that, like I said, but you can't just say you have a relationship. 
just like in your marriage relationship, just like in your friendship relationships, there has to be doing that takes place. You must be in a relationship and you must know each other. Jesus is comparing those who say versus those who actually do. And then in verse 24, he continues a similar pattern when he says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So we've moved from the say or do to the hear or do. Are you a hearer or are you a doer? I want you to think about this, this, this picture. We've said it now for six months. We've been doing this Sermon on the Mount. Think about the picture. We're on the side of a mountain. And Jesus is speaking to this crowd. And as he speaks to this crowd, they are literally locked in on the greatest preacher that has ever walked the face of this earth, giving the greatest sermon that anyone has ever heard. And he stops and says this. You've heard it all. From the Beatitudes on. And granted, Matthew probably is giving a Cliff Notes version of the whole thing that Jesus is teaching on the side of this mountain. And he says this. You have a choice. You have a choice. I've told you all these things. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Are you just going to hear it? Or are you going to put it into practice? Are you just going to listen and gain knowledge? Or are you going to apply it? That's a tough question. You've heard the Sermon on the Mount. How is your lifestyle? How is your life going to change? How will you respond? How will you respond? Will you only hear the truth or will you apply it and do it? So Jesus goes into these houses, the houses that we build. The first house represents those who are changed. Those who are changed by the truth and do something about what they've heard. We've read this verse already but listen to what it says here in verse 24 it says therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock hear or do hear or do what are you every person builds their life on something every action every word every attitude every choice we make is a brick being laid or a board being nailed on this house that we are building the person who bases their actions who bases their words and bases their attitudes on the truth of jesus you know what jesus says they're wise the wise man who builds his house on the rock that word wise here means thoughtful it means sensible it means showing good judgment and here's a crazy thing it means exhibiting common sense now we all know common sense isn't that common anymore but this is the exhibition of common sense we're all building houses and jesus says this any person with common sense is going to build their house on a good foundation if you're building your physical house you would want to make sure to have a good foundation you want to make sure to have a solid foundation and that's the main point of his teaching here is where are you building and on what foundation where or what are you building your house are you being wise in your building see he says are you actually doing the truth acting upon what you've heard putting the truth into practice you see doing the truth is what the idea of building on this foundation is it's not just knowing the truth it's building on it we all have a choice 
when we hear the word of God. We all have a choice when we hear the truth of God. Either we can be content in gaining knowledge, we can be content with learning about what the Bible has to say, or we can put the truth into practice and allow it to change our lives. That is our choice. And really the difference in that either or is the outcome. It's that good choices have good consequences, bad choices have bad consequences. The consequence is described in the next verse, as a matter of fact. Verse 25. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. Jesus is describing a storm. And in this storm, it really has two applications. The two applications are forever and right now. See, the first application is this storm is when we stand in final judgment before God. When Jesus strips all the fluff away and it comes down to the foundation. Are we standing on the foundation of our self-righteousness or are we standing on the foundation of Jesus' righteousness? Again, that's what the whole Sermon on the Mount has been about. That's what that song, On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand, All Other Grand is Sinking Sand. That is where we find ourselves here. And he says, God's going to strip it down, and that's going to be the ultimate test of our character. But the other part of that storm is described in what we go through, just simply living life. Just simply living life. Please know this. When, not if, we go through difficult times, your beliefs are going to be put to the test. Your, your faith is going to be put to the test. Your values are going to be put to the test. And the outcome is going to be based on where you built your foundation or what foundation you built upon. Have you applied God's word to your life or have you not? Because let's be honest, life is messy. Life is messy. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. It likes to throw these major challenges in to our daily lives. Huge disappointments like to, to kind of linger around the corner. A plethora of trials. Anybody watch Three Amigos? A plethora of trials are either just behind us, just ahead of us, or currently surrounding us, or even possibly all three. They're, they're there. And sometimes living life takes every ounce of faith and hope that we have to continue to do it. How you and how I weather that storm is determined by one thing. Your foundation. Your foundation will determine how you weather that. Have you put God's word into practice? Are you doing what you have read? Are you doing what you've been taught? If you have, you're going to be able to stand against that barrage of junk that comes your way. If you're able to stand, it's because you are on a solid foundation. And that solid foundation is Jesus Christ. It's solid, it's unwavering, it's unmoving. You've allowed God's word to shape your beliefs. You've allowed God's word to shape your values. You've allowed God's word to shape your choices. And because of this, his truth that never changes means our beliefs and our, our foundation will never change. We'll stand strong in the midst of a storm. And guess what Jesus calls that? Wise. Wise. But then there's the second option. The second option that is there is found in verse 26. It says this, But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. I told you we have hearers and we have doers. The hearers are right here. They hear the truth. 
They know the truth, but they do nothing to apply it, and nothing ever changes. This is the person who's chosen to build their life on a foundation other than Jesus. Other than Jesus. Again, we're building houses. Our actions, our words, our attitudes. With every choice, another brick, another board. Where are we building? Well, this builder is the one that Jesus Christ calls foolish. The person who's chosen to build on a shaky, unreliable, faulty foundation. But here's something we need to see in this passage. The foolish builder that Jesus is talking about is not someone who has never heard his words before. It's not, it's not that person. It's not someone who has no idea what Jesus has ever said. They're, he's not comparing somebody who goes to church versus somebody who doesn't. He's, he's not comparing somebody who reads the Bible versus somebody who doesn't. What's he saying? He says the foolish builder and the wise builder are described the same way. Who are they? People who have heard these words of mine. People who know the truth. That is who he's describing here. They both hear the truth. They both know the truth. But the difference is, is what do they do with the truth? What do they do with the truth? One acts on the truth. One does not. One puts the truth into practice. One does not. One is changed by the truth. And one is not. That is where the foolishness comes in. The foolish builder may know about the truth. He might even be the most educated person about the truth in the room. But they don't really know it. They've never let it work on them. They've never experienced the freedom that comes with the truth. Because they're too wrapped up in the things of this world. They build their lives on a foundation made of sand. But the one thing about that foundation, the one thing about any foundation, is really, it's not seen, is it? I mean, if you see your foundation, there might be a problem. And he says, hey, you're not going to see these foundations until the storm comes. You're not going to recognize that foundation until the storm comes. But then you will know. The difference, again, is all in the outcome. Jesus describes what happens when we're apathetic and we are ho-hum about the truth of God. He says this, The rain fell and the rivers rose, verse 27. And the winds blew and pounded that house, and what was the result? It collapsed. And it collapsed with a great crash. Again, when, not if, difficult times come, your beliefs and values will be put to the test, and the outcome is determined by the foundation. Have you applied God's word to your life, or have you chosen to put it on something temporary? There's this crazy thought right now. And maybe it's been around for a long time, but it seems to be getting a whole, whole lot of press now. That somehow truth is fluid. It's just a ridiculous thought, but again, common sense went out the window a long time ago. So, so they have this idea that truth is fluid. Well, if you are building your life on something that is ever-changing and ever-shifting, guess what? There's going to be a great collapse when the storms come. It doesn't matter how much we know about the truth. What matters is what you've done with it. It doesn't matter how many times you've attended church. It doesn't matter how much you've studied the Bible. It doesn't matter how much you've read, how much you've tithed, how much you've done. It matters how much you have built your life on the truth. You already know this, but your ability to weather the storm will depend entirely on the foundation that you've built your life on. 
So again, have you put God's word into practice? What truth or what fluid truth are you building your life on? Because if you're not standing on the truth, Jesus says the destruction's gonna be great. But here's our dilemma. Last week, it was our dilemma. This week, it's our dilemma. You have to choose the narrow road that is difficult versus the broad road that is easy. The, the, the narrow path that has a small crowd versus the large path, the broad path that has a, a large crowd. You, you have the, the, the guide or the shepherd who is going to speak the truth which sometimes hurts versus the person who's going to say what you want to hear and have your ears be tickled. What do we choose? Do we go easy or do we go difficult? One, let's be honest, sounds way more fun than the other. Sin, you can quote me on this, is fun up to a point. And we get caught up on that, that that living out our life on foundational truths of Christ, gosh, that's going to be boring. Thank you. But that's the original mindset. I won't get to enjoy all the fun that all the other stuff that everybody else on that broad path is having. We tend to think that God's truth kind of sucks the life out of life. That's a thought that we have. But if you've been with us at all for the last six months and paid attention at all, what has the whole theme of this entire sermon series been? Living the good life. Jesus has called us to live the good life. He truly wants us to live the good life. I shared with you last week with John chapter 10 about the gate and how Jesus refers to himself as a gate there as well as in this Sermon on the Mount. But let me read the rest of it for you. I'm going to start in verse 7 and read through 10. It says, Jesus said again, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and I will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Why did Jesus come? I have come so they may know life and have life, and not just have life, but have it in abundance. He wants us to have life. He wants us to have a good life, but in order to have a good life, he has to tell us the truth. Because there's a lot of lies out there. There's a lot of deception out there to think that somehow the other way is the good life. He says, hey, there's a thief that's coming to kill and he wants to steal and he wants to destroy. And the thief is going to do that by putting things in front of you that seem, and I'm going to emphasize the word seem, harmless. That seem cool, that seem fun, even seem loving. But in reality, they lead to destruction. And Jesus doesn't want our life to be on the path to destruction. He loves us enough to tell us the truth. He loves us enough to tell us the truth, even when it isn't exactly what we want to hear. It's it's not exactly there. The truth is that God loves us. And he sent the truth to be born of a virgin that we'll begin celebrating next week. Actually, we celebrate it every Sunday. We celebrate it every day. But we're going to focus on it next week. To be born of a virgin, to live a perfect life, to die a substitutionary death, to defeat 
the grave so that we could have a relationship with him. That's how much Jesus loves us. That's how much God loves us. That is the truth. But in that, while Jesus was here, he spoke the truth that we can't have a relationship with him without dying to ourselves, without switching from that broad path to the narrow path without becoming poor in spirit, as he talks about at the beginning of this Sermon on the Mount, without mourning over sin, without a life change, without striving and hungering and thirsting for his righteousness instead of our self-righteousness. Because we th- sometimes think that our self-righteousness is going to be enough. And again, that's a sandy foundation. We tend to have wrong thinking. We tend to have distorted thinking. But Jesus, he came to clear it up. I mean, throughout the Sermon on the Mount, that's what he said. He says, here's what you've heard. Here is what the truth is. Here is what is good for you. Here is what will destroy you. And as he lays it out, he says, you know, here's the things that are going to improve your relationships. Here's the things that are going to ruin them. Here's what's going to crush your health. Here's what's going to steal your joy. Here's what's going to devastate that desire that these things are going to fulfill me, yet they only leave me empty. And these things are called sin. And he points it out. And because he loves us, he says, stay away from that because sin kills. Paul tells the church at Rome, uh, at Rome in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. Because we've all sinned, we're all headed to death. We're all headed towards destruction. We're all building our lives on this faulty foundation. He says, stop. Build your life on me instead of worshiping the things of this world and putting them before God stop and build your life on me so here's the question how are you living that's the application of it all how are you living where are you building your life and only you can know so you can fake it to me you can fake it here I can't see your foundation. I can only see the outward stuff, but I can see it when the storm comes. You can fake it in front of your family. Here's the crazy thing. You can even fake it to yourself. You can fake it to yourself. I mean, I read an article this week on the Gospel Coalition about a pastor's wife who came to know Jesus as her Savior seven years after marrying a pastor. Seven years after going to church, seven years after going through the motions of ministry, she realized she didn't know Jesus. You know how many times I hear that about pastors? That something clicks and they go, I'm just doing this. I don't really know Jesus. And some walk away and some come to know him as their savior. We can fake it. We can act like we're redeemed, but really, no, we're not. And when the storms come, and everything's stripped away, the words of Christ are going to be right there in front of us. Did we build our lives on them or not? Again, it's your choice. It is your choice. James, the brother of Jesus, said something about it in his letter as well, which I just love the fact that James believed that Jesus was the Son of God. What would it take for you to believe that your brother is the Son of God? It'd have to take quite a bit to convince me. I'm the brother of of three sisters and a brother. I'm pretty sure they all would look at me like, nope. 
There's nothing you could do to convince me that you are the Son of God. Jesus did it. James believed. And he says this, but the doers of the word, sorry, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone who is looking at his face, his own face in a mirror. But he looks at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and preserves or perseveres in it and is not forgetful here, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. Are we a doer? Or are we merely just looking and then forgetting? Is your life being changed? Is the truth truly making a difference in you? That's what we see here. But I want you to see one more thing. As Matthew wraps up this and records the observation of the crowd. As he wraps up the Sermon on the Mount, it says this, when Jesus had finished in verse 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished. Maybe some of your translations say amazed at his teachings because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. The crowds were amazed. The crowds were astonished. Why? Because they'd never heard anything like it before. And generally, rabbis would just quote previous rabbis. This guy, Jesus, he was teaching with authority. He was teaching as if it was coming from God. It's a whole different thing. And they were amazed at both what Jesus taught and how Jesus taught. I mean, their minds were officially blown. They were sitting there, and Matthew records it. But you know what Matthew didn't record? He didn't record the changes of the lives of those who had just sat and listened to the most amazing sermon ever. He recorded their response there, but he didn't record what happened next. You see, being amazed and being astonished and getting the feels, it doesn't change anything. You can go to a church and you can go and listen to music and you can do and you can experience and it can make you have the tingles all up inside. But it doesn't do anything if you don't do anything about it and do anything with it. You have the truth. Have you applied it? What are you doing with that thing that is amazing to you? See, we've spent six months all the way back in Memorial Day when we started this. We spent six months looking at the Sermon on the Mount and you have heard the words of Jesus. You have heard the truth. I don't know about you, but I have been amazed going deeper into the Sermon on the Mount at the things that Jesus said and how he said it over these last three chapters in Matthew. I hope that you've been amazed too. But again, the real question is, now what? Now what? You've heard but when you walk out of this place or when you turn off the live stream, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? How will you respond? Will you merely be informed? Will you be amazed? Or will you be changed? It's your choice. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. And thank you for your words. And thank you for sending your son to share these words over the last three months that we've looked at the words of life change the words of truth and God as we've heard these words I pray 
that as James challenges us, as Jesus challenges us, that we aren't just hearers of the word, but we are doers also. That we truly do become poor in spirit. That we truly do mourn over our sin. That we live in meekness with gentleness and strength under control. That we hunger and thirst after your righteousness. That God, we, we see that man's standard and man's twists don't matter. We need to focus on the truth. It's our choice that you've given us. God, may we live for you today and every day. And may that change in our life help change this world. We pray in your name. Amen.